Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And firstly, whilst I'm on a break at the moment, I apologise that I didn't release a podcast last week. Uh, I'm releasing uh, this one this week, but uh, also I'll have a break next week and uh, we'll be back to normal uh, after the 18th of May. So uh, apologies for that. But uh, in regards to what I wanted to talk about today, I wanted to talk about patience and discipline. Uh, two very important traits, I think, for successful investors. And I kind of find it ironic that, you know, the two common mistakes that I think investors make is that they don't invest, firstly. That's number one. Mistake number one is procrastination. Uh, and uh, mistake number two is they tinker too much. They uh, don't really stick to one strategy. They chop and change. Uh, so they're kind of at, at either ends of the spectrum. And, and that's what I kind of find ironic that uh, fewer investors uh, really find the perfect balance. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, doing nothing is is bad. You know, nothing comes from nothing. And I uh, recorded a podcast back in March about that. Uh, but also, uh, sometimes reacting, changing, tinkering, selling, buying, you know, and mucking around with your strategy can be uh, equally bad and can destroy a lot of wealth. Uh, there was a, a quote by uh, Charlie Munger, who is uh, Warren Buffett's business partner, has been his business partner since uh, 1975. And, and I think it um, perfectly reflects, you know, the power of um, patience and discipline. Uh, so let me share that quote with you. He says, look at those hedge funds. You think they can wait? They don't know how to wait. I've sat for years at a time with 10 to $12 million in treasuries just waiting waiting. As Jess Livermore said, the big money is not in the buying and selling, but the waiting, end quote. And I, I think what what Charlie's saying there is that hedge funds are particularly very short-term focused. So, um, you know, I, I think his criticism is, is very fair, but essentially he's saying that, you know, the whole thing is about patience. And actually, if we reflect back on um, Buffett and uh, Berkshire Hathaway, you know, they've been sitting on a lot of cash uh, over the past uh, number of years. Uh, and if you went back, I think about three years ago and looked at their most recent performance, it was pretty ordinary. Um, and that was because, you know, all these technology companies that weren't making any money were very popular at the time and, and were worth billions and billions of dollars. But Berkshire Hathaway weren't participating in that. So compared to the market, they weren't performing very well. Uh, and the only major investment that they made, to my knowledge, over that time was they invested a lot more money in Apple. Uh, well, in more recent time, given the correction that's happened in technology, uh, Berkshire Hathaway now is performing really well. Uh, and it shows that, again, yet again, sticking to the fundamentals, sitting on a whole hunt bunch of cash, they've got more than $100 billion of cash, uh, that, and, and being diligent about what you're investing in, uh, really pays dividends. So, you know, I think it's a good quote. He mentions uh, he sat on uh, 10 to $12 million in treasuries, which are bonds. Um, obviously, the quote's pretty old because <laughs> at the moment they're sitting on $100 billion, but, uh, you know, the, the points are, are well made. That is that uh, quite often when it comes to investing, doing nothing 
uh, is the most intelligent thing to do, although it's not always easy to do. Uh, so there's been a bit of research on this. In fact, that there's a, a very commonly cited study uh, by uh, Global Fund Manager Fidelity, and it said that they conducted research into which accounts performed the best. And uh, they concluded that the accounts where the investor had uh, forgotten they had the account so that there was no engagement whatsoever, no logging in or trading or so forth, produce the best returns. So really, invest your money, completely forget about it, and that uh, performs better. I must say that I uh, wasn't able to verify that study. Uh, so whether it's a bit of a tale or not, I'm not really sure. Uh, there was another study that, uh, and this is just purely on uh, stock market returns, and that covered about 66,500 investors and they demonstrated that portfolio turnover, so buying and selling, was in, inversely related to returns, and that higher turnover leads to lower returns. On average, 5.5% per annum lower returns. Uh, and whilst this study only relates to the share market, the, the same theme is true, is that you, know, you need patience and discipline and stick with the investment for long term. And there's three reasons for that that I'd like to talk about. And the first one is, of course, we all know that markets move in cycles. Um, uh, and I think that's true with all asset classes. Um, the, the only difference here, I think, is that, and I'm going to do a podcast episode on it, is that I believe that residential property in Australia, it doesn't move, still moves in cycles, but the cycles tend to be a, a flat cycle versus a growth cycle. Uh, where other asset classes can have boom and bust sort of cycles. So, you know, you won't get a lot of negative returns in residential property. And the reason for that, I think, is uh, that's a necessity rather than, uh, you know, a discretionary investment. Uh, but anyway, that's another topic for another time. Uh, so we know that markets move in cycles and we know that mean reversion means that a period of above average returns typically follows a period of below average returns. And I've demonstrated that. I've got the link in the show notes. Uh, when I looked at historic returns and cycles in the in the Australian property market uh, since 1980, so that, that link's in the show notes. Um, but if you're unlucky to invest at the beginning of a very flat period of growth, then it's likely that you've got to hold that investment for a much longer period of time in order to generate the long-term average return. So, for example, if you know you normally need to hold a, an investment property for say ten years to enjoy an average return of say seven to eight percent in terms of capital growth plus then rental income. However, if you invest at the beginning of a flat period, uh, then you really need to hold that property for fifteen to twenty years. Now, your return, your average return uh, over that 15, 20-year period uh, should still be the same, 7 to 8%, but the difference being that the distribution of that return is different. So it hasn't, uh, you've had no return in the first 10 years and all, that, all of that return in the second 10 years. Um, and investment-grade apartments in Melbourne are a good example of this, I think, because the last 10 years, returns have been very poor. But the, all the fundamentals, sound fundamentals, in fact, and even when you see uh, whole blocks of apartments sell, uh, the, the intrinsic value is most definitely higher today. The market just isn't reconciled with that yet. The second reason is that returns compound. And so having the patience and discipline to stick with your investment 
uh, really uh, pays off in the long run. So again, I've got a link to another chart in the show notes that demonstrates this and, and looks at an investment property's compounding capital growth over a 30-year period. In the first decade, the property value increases by $580,000, so half a million dollars. In the third decade, the property value increases by $2.7 million. Uh, so what is that? Five times the, the dollar value growth than in the first 10-year uh, period. It means you really need to hold on to property and any, any asset that benefits from compounding capital growth, by the way, uh, for, for 20 to 30 years to really enjoy substantial, I mean, ridiculous returns, really. Um, in fact, mind-boggling returns, they're hard to sort of get your head around. And thirdly, you want to minimise transactional costs. Uh, you know, chopping and changing your strategy, buying and selling investments, it destroys wealth because of transactional cost and, and taxes, of course. Uh, so that's not to say that you should never make you should never make a change to an investment. Of course, if you've got a dud asset or a dud investment, um, then of course you should fix that uh, as soon as possible, almost irrespective of cost, because typically the transactional cost is less than the opportunity cost. But making changes simply just because you're impatient, you know, because the market hasn't delivered the returns in the time frame that you expected. Uh, you know, that's that's not a, a good thing to do and that's really going to destroy wealth. You know, in the long run, fundamentals will drive returns. Uh, you just need the patience and discipline to uh, sit with it. So just as a summary, the three reasons why you must have patience and discipline, markets move in cycles. Number two, you want to benefit from compounding capital growth. And number three, you want to reduce taxes and, and transactional costs. Now, of course, it's easier said than done in a lot of situations. And the reason is that most of us, as human beings, we are, to some extent, uh, driven by uh, fear and uncertainty. In fact, humans are hardwired to predict and, and avoid risky situations. And so we're susceptible to being influenced by negative news. And of course, the media takes advantage of that. And, and that's why all the news is always negative in the media. But we've got to remind ourselves that fundamentals never change, or at least very, very rarely change. Um, negative events come and go, and fun but fundamentals are everlasting. And the pandemic is a, an excellent example of this because it was a global phenomenon. Uh, you know, it's as big as a negative event can really get, but it too will pass, uh, and investment markets will get back to normal, and we've already sort of started to see that. So therefore, if your original investment decision was based on sound fundamentals, using evidence-based, rules-based approach, then you must not change that investment unless there's overwhelming evidence that long-term fundamentals have changed. And I would caution that long-term fundamentals almost never change. But having that faith in the face of a lot of uncertainty and a lot of volatility can be challenging. I remember, and I can't believe I'm going to quote this uh, in my podcast, but I, I did watch The Crown, which is a series on Netflix. And I remember there was a quote uh, that the Queen said, uh, and I quote, to do nothing is often the best course of action, but I know from personal experience how frustrating that can be, end quote. Now, I don't know if she actually said it. It's a historic, historical drama series, you know, so maybe it, it, she didn't say it. But I remember listening to it and it really resonated with me uh, because it eloquently describes exactly what it's like for successful investors. 
you feel tempted to make changes when you shouldn't or delay investing simply because you're unsure. It's like logic and emotion are having kind of a tug of war in your own head. And I find it too myself with, you know, looking after myself, my own and my clients' investments in times of very high uncertainty or when markets are reacting uh, or behaving like they shouldn't be. Uh, it is very, very tempting to really consider whether you should make any changes or you should hang in there. And in most circumstances, doing nothing and hanging in there really is the right uh, way to go. And perhaps we can turn it on our head a little bit. You know, if we are feeling that level of uncertainty, uh, maybe that's really a good buying signal. Uh, because in times of uncertainty, typically that's a really good time to invest because, you know, prices are a little bit volatile and maybe you can buy an asset class for less than its intrinsic value. And we've certainly seen that, you know, over the last sort of 15 years or 20 years since I've been in business, you know, the two particular periods that really jump out at the GFC and, and COVID. Uh, I recall my wife and I bought a couple of properties in 2008 uh, you know, during the, the midst of the GFC, they're, they're two of some of the best transactions we've ever made uh, in property. Uh, similarly, we invested a lot in the share market in 2020 when uh, COVID hit, and that's uh, performed very well as well. So uh, sometimes that should be a, a buying or investing opportunity. And similarly, when conventional wisdom is there are no risks and everything's going well um, and markets are going gangbusters, now, perhaps that's a good um, uh, signal to, to sell if you've got a, 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 an asset, an impaired asset that you need to sell. You know, sometimes that's the best time to sell when everyone else is buying. Okay, to sum up then, if you've invested in a high quality, fundamentally sound asset, the best thing to do is drown out any negative noise and absolutely do nothing. In fact, forget about the investment, forget about they exist. In the long run, the investors with the most patience receive all the financial rewards. Okay, that's it for me for this week. My next podcast episode will be released in two weeks' time on the 18th of May. Until then, take care.